Jesus, I thank you for Jim and for Calwin and the work and the ministry that you have called them to. Jesus, thank you for the way that you're working and moving, the way that you are opening up doors for them. And Jesus, thank you that we have the privilege of, of praying for them here one last time and for uh, just asking for you to move as Jim speaks. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd open up our hearts and our minds. I pray that we'd be receptive this morning. Jesus, I pray that you'd give us hungry hearts for more of you this morning. And uh, Lord, thank you for Jim. Thank you for everything that you've put inside of his heart. I pray that you'd give him boldness this morning as he shares. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Well, it's great to be here again to uh, share with you the word and also share what God has been doing and continuing to do. And, uh, you know, we always kind of have in the back of our minds this whole idea of things are sometimes subject to change. And, and uh, you know, I, as your pastor and his wife, uh, go through a transition of what you could call a subject to change. I've experienced that in the many years that I have been serving, both as pastor and missionary, and things change, and you don't know sometimes how it all is going to work out in details down the road, but uh, the God who doesn't change, can he comes along and continues to keep you on the track that he wants you to do, to go by either moving you this way a little bit or moving that way a little bit, and and so we're going to keep um, keep you guys in prayer too, and and also uh, for the mission work, the outreach work, not only around the world but also right in this local community. So I'm glad that you've come today, that we can challenge you a little bit and let the word. My favorite saying is getting into the word and let the word get into us. And that may sound strange, but sometimes you can get into the word, but you don't let the word get into you. Or sometimes you can get into the Holy Spirit, but not let the Holy Spirit get into you. And that may be a kind of a weird way of saying things, but that's kind of who I am. I like thinking that way, you know, because we can talk a lot about these things. We can write a lot about these things. We can even preach on these things. And some of the things that I'm going to share this morning, you may have heard before, but I'm really seeking God, both Colwyn and I, as that he will take us deeper and that we were not just speaking words, but that these words would be words of life within us and that we're not just going out and challenging other people to do things, but are we willing to do them ourselves? And uh, I want to bring you a little bit of an update about the, the mission before we get into the Word. Uh, just first of all, to start off, Colwyn always thanks you for praying and for the country of Myanmar. Uh, we're walking through some challenging times there because our, uh, I guess you could say, our senior pastor, the one who was uh, instrumental in bringing Colwyn and I together, and I believe he was even in this church Larry, you might have to help me out on that. If I, I remember he was, Samson was actually in this church. Um, now, Colwyn and I were trying to work on the dates. That's a while back. But uh, that's the problem when you get a little older. Some of those things get a little foggier. But, uh, but uh, so those of you who remember Samson, um, Dr. Samson, uh, he is right now in jail. And uh, he was picked off at an airport. He was flying out to Thailand to do some things over there. The military regime, Secret Service police came in, surrounded him, picked him up, and hauled him off. And we didn't know for a number of days where he was, actually for a week or more. We didn't know where he was, and then found out that he is now back up in Michina in our in jail there and is being charged with various offenses uh, concerning speaking out against the government and, or speaking out against the military, uh, a variety of things, who he visits, who he talks to, who he goes prays with. He's now being accused for even a praying with uh, uh, the Ketchin uh, KIO, which is a Ketchin uh, association. I mean, it just, it, you know, they're, when they want to get you, they'll drum, uh, uh, come up with any kinds of of uh, uh, 
things that they can bring against you. So, but one of the interesting things, he did get out on Christmas Eve and to a few people, not get out, but at least let it be known that um, he doesn't want anyone to pay bribes or pay money or anything to get him out. He believes that he is there to be a light for Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk a little bit about that later on today. And just pray for him and Zonia is his wife. And his uh, daughter is actually still here. She just lives over by Canadian Tire. So we're in constant connection with the family. They actually just live right across the road from Colwyn's mom. So we know a lot of the details. We can't share them all, but we do thank, uh, you know, our government officials that uh, we have met with here locally and in Ottawa that are speaking out and, and are working hard to get his release. So pray about that. But in the spite of all that, we are still continuing. Some of you know we have the Disciples Principles of Faith book. It's now been translated in the Ketchin. And it's in the process of being printed. So in the sense, you've got this darkness going on, but we now have this light that will go out to the pastors and leaders and that. And we're thankful for what God is doing there. Also about Pakistan, uh, we're now working uh, in about 26 different countries. So it keeps us a little bit, uh, you know, in the days, if you could sort of say, kind of walking around. So, okay, Lord, what's going to, you know, should I turn on the internet today? and see another whole list of things and pray about that. We're looking for some missionary to come along and join us, raise some funds and come along and, and join us and help in this area. We have got a lot of wonderful people around the world, but we need some more locally. And uh, Pakistan is uh, also, uh, we have an opportunity to do things uh, with the, our booklets. Some of you know that we've been heavy into these booklets and they've been translated into different languages. And then uh, in Pakistan, there's now two translated and they're being... The interesting thing, when you have all these countries, we have networks of people that go out and take them out into the villages and highways and byways and are not afraid to lay down their life in handing out gospel materials. And some of them in, end up in prison for a week or, you know, or, or lectured like Peter was, you know, don't do that again. And then Peter said, well, how can I not keep talking? And uh, so Pakistan, we just uh, are printing uh, the book of Ruth now is being printed this week. Another opportunity that came up, uh, which is, uh, is going to be a challenge, uh, not because I don't have the gift of gab. You know, that's not a problem that I have. I try to keep things within time, but... Uh, if you, we need to perform a miracle, I guess, because we have an opportunity now uh, that we've been asked to come on seven radio stations um, in Africa that will reach out to five to 20 million people. And But they, what they want, which was kind of interesting, they, they spoke this, we don't want evangelism. Everybody's, and that sounds terrible, but it's not, please listen to the rest of the sentence. We don't have anybody that's doing discipleship equipping. And so we want those guys to keep doing evangelism, but can you disciple? And can you do it each week for 15 minutes? And you have a minute opening, a minute concluding, and you only have 13 minutes. So now most of you know that will be a miracle for me to do. <laughs> don't say amen, because I don't want my feelings hurt, okay? <laughs> but uh, an opportunity there. And then uh, one last uh, little report. Uh, I, and there's so many, and, and, and there will be some as we share out uh, this morning's message, too. Uh, the work in Ukraine is going forward. Uh, we have already uh, printed Nicodemus and David Song in the Ukrainian language. And thank you for a number of you who have helped financially make that happen. And now they have just finished translating the Good News one. This one's on the whole life of Christ in a Reader's Digest version. And uh, the purpose that they did this one, which is an amazing thing uh, that they emailed back, they have the connections and the people uh, that they're giving these ones out to the soldiers on the front lines. So they'll have some, some, and they've got permission to do it. And so we're now got the printing. It's a little bit challenge with the printing presses because hydro is hard to come by or electricity or however you want to say it. And uh, so they're asking us to pray um, for 
that ministry. So they've already given out these in food hampers. They've given out these in markets, and now these are go out to the soldiers and people so that they have the, the full gospel, what Christ did for us. And that in spite of all the bad news, there is good news out there. And uh, thank you for, for getting involved in that. And, and uh, last time I was here, there was a number of you that helped out. And we're, but now out of that uh, has come, we're also going to, um, many of you don't know, but we got into the track business <laughs> since the last time we were together. And uh, now we uh, have little tracks uh, because some of our evangelists out there said to take a hundred of these on the motorcycle is a little bit of challenge. It's like two big boxes. But if we had some way to go through the mountains like in Nepal and, and uh, India and uh, Myanmar, Vietnam, all those places that are mountain ranges, uh, this, a hundred of these is only about this thick. You'll see that at the back. So they, can, they go out for a week at a time on motorcycles going to the markets and everything and so these now are being translated uh, into Tagalog to uh, oh, Chinese. Help me out here. <laughs> Ukrainian. I don't know. It just goes. There, there are so many uh, that are going on. And um, Spanish. Yes, Spanish. Um, I'm still working on the English side. And uh, that's coming. And to pray for this ministry. Uh, so this one's on the, the pure gift of love. This one's on... Pure Living Waters, about the woman at the well, and the next one is on Pure Radiant Life. We keep using the word pure because people are looking for something that is holy. Not that the track is holy, but that someone who is holy and is pure can give them love and can give them acceptance and things like that, and who is a pure light in darkness. So we're going to go through, and I challenged the church last week, and I... I I didn't know if I should do that this week here, but uh, uh, if they believe, God has been laying in on a, motive, a number of our hearts that we would do 10 to 12 of these tracks this year. And I don't know how you feel, if you feel a witness in your heart, but we were trying to get a witness in our heart that in doing this, that, the, that we would also be able to print 1 million copies by the end of this year. And it's hard to believe we just started this and we're just under 200,000 copies already going out. So at first I thought the 1 million mark was not a chance. But now I can see like 100,000 every month around the world is not really that big of a deal. So Dirksen Printers right now is, is printing these off at 50,000 at a time. That's, you know, and uh, we thank God for that. So that's what's happening, but I, in that Ukraine line is I want to uh, not sure blame or share or whatever because now that we've got this vision to help the Ukraine out, uh, what is happening, the same kind of vision is now exploding in Canada with the Ukrainian people. And uh, we have the opportunity to print these. Uh, Union Gospel Mission is already using a few that we have other organizations that are doing, helping out the Ukrainian. Uh, even yesterday, we have a, a lady that stopped in the mall, saw the Ukrainian books and said, can we have some? Because we've started a Ukrainian Sunday school. Where was she from? From the brokery. Okay, I don't know what the Sunday school is, but, you know, and they have no Sunday school. The, the interesting thing, <laughs> we never, we, we made these for evangelism, but they've become Sunday school curriculum in many churches where they're using these and the coloring books and the posters as Sunday school curriculum and, and Bible club movements and everything else. So, um, so what we're sharing today, and this is uh, that we can, uh, the need is, uh, we have 167,000 uh, Ukrainians that come. Canada is hoping to bring in 500,000. And these people need materials for evangelism and discipleship just like anyone else. And I know we know that, yes, they need furniture, they need food, they need all these other things, and I hear that, but they also need the gospel. And because of the, the, the trials and tribulations, they are very, very open now to the word of God, to, to Bibles, to hearing the word of God. And uh, we, we gave, I don't know how many of these we gave to uh, Union Gospel Mission and figuring, you know, that's going to last them for a while, and a week, next week they called us back, can you send us more? Can you send us more? 
And uh, yeah, so that's what's happening. So here's the vision before we get into the word. I don't know if, if God's going to speak to someone today about it or a bunch of people over the next few days. But I feel um, if we want to fulfill what needs to happen in Canada, we're going to have to raise about $20,000. So we can print uh, at least 30,000 of these various books and tracts and other things and get them sent out. So that's what I'm throwing out and to you and to me and to believe that God has got something going on. And because we've seen powerful things go on across Canada already with the booklets and the tracks. And, and, uh, and in the light of what Pastor was saying is that um, something we've been praying about for years, we, you know we have been going into the mall at Christmas time and at, at, at Easter time handing out these booklets and putting them in mailboxes and things like that all over this area. Uh, what the Lord laid on my heart, it's time to, to carpet bomb. Have you ever heard that phrase? It's an old British term where you bring in your, your heavy guns and you bring in your, your planes, your bombers, and you just go at it. I think it's time for the church to start carpet bombing anywhere and everywhere. And the thing, the reason why I feel strongly about that, because nowhere when it talks about the parable of the sower, and it talks about the four soils, it didn't say be selective about the soils. It just said keep broadcasting, keep broadcasting, keep hitting it, keep it. We need to keep hitting it. If, if you would, if, I mean, again, with my gift of, of talking, I could, I could come and probably give you 150 testimonies over the last six months what God has done and is doing. And people, they, people have told us they just need something, a tool to be able to hand to somebody else. Here, here is a, a lady, a little girl called Faith. Um, I brought this along. I was out in Vancouver just a few weeks ago, my wife and I, and uh, we had her and her mom and brother and dad out for supper one night, and I told her about told them about these. And they took a package, a hundred of them. Wow, a hundred of them. How are we going to talk? How are we going to confront a hundred people? But this little 12-year-old, I think she's actually 12 or 13-year-old, her name is Faith, and she asked her mom one day, can we just walk down the streets around our neighborhood and start sticking these in the door and just shining for Jesus? And mom says, oh, yeah, let's go for it. And then they took a picture and then a few days later, the email call went back and said, now we've used up all 100 of them. Can you send us another 100 or 200 or 300 or whatever? And I thought, hey, a great missionary going out. And her name is Faith. So we've started to call it the, the, the one million faith missions <laughs> because God is wanting to do things. And so we've been in the mall and uh, in working with the mall, it came to being that uh, they liked our presence there in the mall and uh, like what we were doing, praying for people. Like <laughs> when we have our tables set up, we're not allowed to, to attack people, you know, I mean, like buttonhole them, say, you know, you need to get saved. But we can pray that the Holy Spirit will bring the people. And uh, that's an interesting prayer because God has been bringing all kinds of people to the, boot, the stands, and once they ask for that, we can be in the middle of the mall laying hands on people and praying for them. They don't care. When people are in need, they don't care where they're standing. They don't care about the room. They don't care about the ambience and all that stuff. Let's just go for prayer. And so because of that, we kept, we kept praying and said, Lord, is there, is there something that we need to be in the mall all the time? And the mall approached us, and together... We worked out, we still had to pay something, and uh, now we have an office right across from the jewelry store uh, as a presence in the Steinbach Mall to hand out tracts. Isn't it terrible when people come up to you and beg you for Bibles and beg you for the gospel message and ask you to pray for them? And You know, that's, that kind of evangelism is very difficult to do, isn't it? But it happens every day. Like I had one lady just came in uh, just a day or so ago, and, and said, you know, my daughter just died. 
and I'm thinking, this is, this is going to be a challenge. And he says, but my grandchildren, her husband isn't very strong in the gospel, and, and I need to get the gospel to my grandkids. So she's kneeling on, on, the, on the floor and standing in front of the, because the track rack is right, you know, so she's in the hallway kneeling down, looking through the, bar, the tracks, asking God to show her which one of these books that she should take so that when her grandkids come over, she can talk to them about the Lord and lead them to the Lord. You know, I, what I've done, and I, I know I need to um, kind of move on in the word. I had been reading uh, uh, George Mueller's biography, uh, which is a strange biography, because what it is all about, at least the one copy I got, it was all about miracles, how God did miracles. And so last September, God laid on my heart <laughs> to get a book and just start writing miracles in. Okay, that's kind of weird, eh? And <laughs> I remember going into... Uh, into Staples, and I couldn't find the, a, a book that I wanted. So the young lady came up to me and said, uh, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for a book. And she said, well, what do you want to do with it? I said, I want to write miracles of God in it. And she said, well, that's different. And I said, yeah, but God's doing things. So she took me over and she said, I think this would make a good book to write the miracles in. So, so um, and can I, can I just quickly, this is from February 23rd from September to February 23rd. These are all point form miracles that are happening every few days. Can you, can you see this? Uh, is, isn't that amazing? And you can look at this ethic, there's nothing to hide. I just, I just put them down. God, you're, you're an amazing God. You're doing things, things that we never thought was possible that he could do, and he's doing them. And so pray for us as we are in the mall now. You know, one of the biggest challenges about being in the mall is that when you've let a bird out of the cage and then you try to put it back in a cage, it's not too easy because I've been used to wandering around the last number of years, mission fields and everything else, and now I have to stand behind a table and hand out the gospel of Jesus Christ and pray for people right in my hometown. Everybody knows me, <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. But also everybody knows that we love to pray and we love to help. And uh, the, 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 when we were closing up yesterday, a, a young girl, come, she come out of winter. She was working in winters. And she said, I see you got these gospel books, you know, and I see that you got them in Ukraine. And can I have some? And I said, sure. you know, Carl Wynn was actually talking to her. And uh, she just took a whole bunch of them away, you know, and then gave a donation afterwards, you know, uh, uh, a university student. And I'm thinking, God, how you do many miracles. And it just goes on and on and on. It, you know, you, you wake up in the morning and say, God, what, what are you going to do today? But I've also learned, and the truth that I want to proclaim as we get into the Bible now, into the Word of God, is that if you don't pray, that's the first important part, is that you need to pray. The second thing that we need to do is to prepare. And then the third thing we need to do is proclaim. Sometimes we pray, and we want to proclaim, but we never, pre um, we never prepare. One of the people that some of you may know is Lois Forsberg. And uh, Lois loves, because Glenn and Lois are evangelists through and through. Everybody who knows them knows that. Just, you, he just, you know, he always talks about Jesus. That's just who he is. And just loves Jesus and radiates for Jesus. Well, uh, when we were out there a few months ago, Lois showed that, you know, they have uh, one of these kind of caravans or whatever, like what we've got, and it has a, a little space in between the seats where you can put things. And she's got all these books lined up in there. And so when she goes, she prays. And then when she goes into the dentist, she takes one. She goes into the hospital. She takes another one. She goes, and she just said, you know, what God is doing with these little things, you know. And, uh, but people need to, if she didn't put them in the car and prepare, there wouldn't be the opportunity to proclaim. 
Uh, I've had many people taken boxes and boxes of books and they said, I don't know what they're going to do. And I said, don't worry about it as long as you got them in the car. God, when I was driving through Medicine Hat, a lady, uh, we stopped at uh, Wendy's to get uh, my favorite potato, baked potato and chicken sandwich. And the lady was uh, behind the counter, was all by herself, and she was Filipino. And I, I said to her, I, I said, you know, after she took my order, I said, I got these little booklets. Almost embarrassing to say, I got these little booklets. And, uh, uh, and they're in Tagalog. Would you like some? She said, yeah, I would love some. So, of course, we had prayed and prepared that, Lord, while we're on the trip, you know, where are we supposed to do with these things? You know, and so while I'm walking out the door, the, the lady behind the counter yells at me, do you have enough of them because all of the staff in here is Tagalog? I said, yeah, how many do you want? Well, probably 15 to 20. So all of a sudden, I've got 15 to 20 of the books coming in, and now she's being an evangelist to the rest of the staff. These are really hard things to do, right? I mean, you couldn't even think these up. I remember when we were on an island, we were, we were out there, uh, and Joshua were in the, on the coast, and uh, a lady, I saw a lady reading a book, and I said to her, oh, what are you reading? And she said, well, I'm just reading this book because one day I hope to be a writer. And I said, well, I'm not a, necessarily a good writer, but I do write. And uh, I write these books. <laughs> you know what I mean? I almost start sounding like, like a Mary Kay person, eh? That you always got to bring up Mary Kay. But I, I mean, why not always bring up Jesus? I mean, I, I, you know, like... And uh, so I said, I got these books. Would you like some? And she said, sure, but I, I won't read them. I'm an atheist. And I said, okay, but I'll take some. And I said, well, what are you going to do with them? And I always get this mixed up, but help me out here, Coleman. But her grandma was uh, a Mormon, and her mother was a Jehovah Witness. I thought, and then we got an atheist. And so she said to me, I'll take them because I know my mother and grandmother will take these and read them, and then they will put them in their churches. And I'm thinking, only you, God, could do that. I mean, that's... That's, I don't even know how, that's weird. You know, you got an atheist who is becoming an evangelist to her, to her Jehovah Witness mother and her Mormon grandmother, and she took enough of them so that these booklets could be in their library at their organization. I mean, that's a God thing. Wouldn't you think that's a God thing? But you need to be pray. You need to prepare. And the, the reason why so many people don't receive miracles or don't see miracles, because they prayed, but they've never prepared for God to use them and God to work through them so that they could go out and propagate the word of God. Well, we're going to go and, and look at uh, scripture here. And it's interesting, this scripture, God has been working on me. I've, I've preached this message a couple times, and I'm Still probably going to preach it a lot more because he's working on me on this area. So I want to let you into a personal testimony. But I want to take you over to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 13 through 16. And, it, and it's got to do with these three object lessons. There is some Himalayan pink salt here. And there is this little black container. And then there is this coin. And I believe... What God has been trying to show me is that for the discipleship walk, we need to remember there's two sides of the coin. There is evangelism and discipleship. And for some reason, we always let the pendulum swing one to the other. But the church needs to be doing both. It's two sides of the same coin. You know what I'm saying? And when you look at this, it's a very familiar scripture. In fact, I think... I know of a fellowship organization that's based on this that you probably all know about. And I thought, Lord, this is strange. I'm going to talk about salt and light. These are, I mean, that's in their title sort of a thing, you know. <laughs> no, Lord said, no, go at, it, go at it again. Keep the car running, you know. Because I needed to see that there was a connection that between this salt and light. It's one thing to be a discipler and or another thing to be a, uh, someone who is giving out light. 
And the interesting thing is that when you get into this passage of Scripture, look at verses 13 and 14 that says, and I underlined it in my Bible, verse 13 says, you are the salt. Verse 14 says, you are the light. Now that's a nice way to try to get, but how do you get around that? Especially if you're a pastor or a leader or a teacher. You are. You know, you can ask all kinds of people to hand out tracts, but are you handing them out? You can ask all kinds of people to do discipleship work, but are you doing the discipleship work? That's what God was putting on my heart. When I was walking by in Vancouver and the street people were laying all over the streets and injecting themselves with drugs, and it's just a horrible scene. And they go into so-called churches that have uh, certain kind of pastors who now say, well, we were once men, now we're women, and now we were once women, and now we're men. You know, all those kinds of things. And I'm thinking, how do we become, what happened to the salt and the light? Or did something happen? So I'm, I'm, I wish I was sitting with you because I need to hear this over and over again. What happened, you know, concerning the salt? What happened concerning the light? And, and it's interesting that as I carry this coin around in my pocket, I want to be reminded, am I salt and light today? Because he says here, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Have, have we lost our seasoning factor? I'm asking that question to me. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not trying to be here to condemn or to say, I've got it all together and you don't and I'm going to beat you up today. That's not the purpose. The purpose is just to simply ask the question that if I am salt, have I lost my saltiness? And I would like to say to you that a lot of people have. There is salt in a container, but if you dump it out on meat and things like that, it doesn't enhance the taste anymore. See, the purpose of salt is to preserve. It's also there to enhance the taste. But when I got thinking about salt, and that, now I've, I meditate on things a lot, to me, I began to realize that salt is the same idea as discipleship. That when you are applying salt and are being salt, you're, you are then preserving your life in Christ. You're, you're, you're purifying, because salt purifies. It, there's a lot of unique properties in this thing. And Jesus says, and you are that. What am I? Well, I'm to be salt. But not salt that has lost its taste. I need to be salt that, that in my life it preserves and cleanses me, but then also that I would be like a salt shaker that then as the salt is dumped out, it would preserve and cleanse others in the name of Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? And, I, and I'm wondering about this, you know, because we're warned about this whole problem of, of salt of how it connects, how it should be. And so I think the church needs to be doing discipleship, which is helping to purify and to season and to get us ready, you know, to be an example of Jesus Christ. So that's where I began to tie it. You may say, well, you're kind of really jumping over. Well, because in my mind, I've done some 20 some odd years of discipleship equipping around the world. So I'm always in that line of thinking. But when I, before I started all this ministry 50 years ago, I was heavily into evangelism. Heavily. Street ministry, whatever. In fact, you wouldn't like me when you first saw me because when I did track ministry, I would corner you into a storefront and unless you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you couldn't get out. Or you had the fear of death because you got this long-haired hippie, you know, big goatee pointing at you saying, you need to get saved. That wasn't quite the way it should be, but, you know. And there was people. I led lots of people to the Lord. I don't know if they're still walking in the Lord. But, you know, I was aggressive in my 
light and salt. And so the Lord has been saying, been speaking to me. That's why, you know, when he birthed into my heart a couple years ago about all these evangelistic tracts and all these booklets, it was like the Lord was saying, I'm bringing you full circle. And, you know, so much of our life, the pendulum always swings from one side to the other. You ever notice that? You know, and churches do that. They all get on one bandwagon and they swing over here. You know, and then they hang out there for a little while. But then after a period of time, it kind of swings back, swings back. And then, but of course, most Christians can't be centered. They go right off to the other side, right? Does any of this make sense? Well, that's sometimes what happens to us as pastors. We get on a bandwagon or something that really excites us and we might swing over to one side. And then after a while, we kind of maybe get into the middle and then after a while, we swing off to the other side. But, but the Lord was saying it's both sides. You, you, you gotta keep going out and being. So that's why he was saying, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it season? And many, I'm wondering if many Christians, and I had someone, I preached this a few weeks ago in another place, and, and a guy said, you know, we got a lot of Christians in our shop and our business, but they have lost their seasoning. They're, they're, <laughs> they call themselves Christians, and that would be the definition of the end of that description. They have lost the ability to season by their lifestyle. They're not walking holy and upright and righteous before the Lord. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, it's easy to say about them, but what about me? Am I still walking righteous, upright, and holy before the Lord? Does my testimony, because now it's becoming real relevant, it's really hard to hide in a mall with a storefront that says evangelism and discipleship. And people sometimes walking up saying, well, who made you God today? No one made me God. I'm just trying to be real to the word of God. He says, I'm to be salt. And if I'm going to be salt, I need to be out there where I can use my saltiness. Bad English, but anyway, that's how I talk. To begin to affect others. Salt melts ice. I mean, when you look at this, you probably have heard many sermons of it, but it melts the hardness of ice. Salt seasons so that the meat, I mean, you talk to any First Nation or any hunter nut, they got to have salt to season things. Salt is also cleansing. If you have a wound and you don't have proper stuff, just dump some salt in it. You might scream and yell and do all kinds of things, but it will cleanse the wound. It has a purpose. And we are called, now I'm asking, is this us? You are the salt of the earth. Is there any way we can get around this by saying it's somebody else? I'm, I'm, I'm with you, okay? <laughs> like, I'm saying, no, Pastor Jim, there is no other way of getting around it. I guess we are supposed to be salt. So what has happened to the North American church? What has happened to the church around the world? It has lost maybe its saltiness. It's seasoning factor it's really quiet in here today <laughs> but I, I'm walking this out as I walked down the streets of Vancouver and saw all these people injecting themselves and all the things that are going on and and going into the hospital I, I stayed in the hospital Cohen and I for two weeks our daughter-in-law is very ill and I got this weird idea maybe it was okay for me to pray for people you know, that's kind of a novel new idea, right? So a guy is, who was transferred with my daughter on, on an airplane to get to uh, St. Paul's Hospital came down through another guy who was being transferred because he had all kinds of blockages and things in his heart. So I was with Maria, and, and she said, oh, there is this guy down a few beds that, you know, he's going to have major surgery. So, you know, I got the dumb idea. <laughs> Because what I did, I thought, if I'm going to ask other people, maybe I should carry a package of these in my pocket too. Now, there's another novel thought, isn't it? So that I would be prepared in the hospital. So I go down to the guy, and I and, and, uh, forget his first name now. Uh, 
And he's in a big room with a whole bunch of people, and I, I don't know who it is. So I just says, is, is so-and-so still here? And uh, I got Rob in my mind, but I don't think it was that. And he speaks up, yeah, I'm him. Who are you? Well, I'm this crazy guy down the hallway that feels that I should just come and lay hands on and pray for you. Is that okay? Sure, what's going to happen? He, and, he, and he asked me, he said, what, why, why do you want to do that? And I hear, I hear you're going to have open heart surgery and they're going to crack you open and everything and I don't want you to be alone. I know a guy named Jesus that will be with you when you're being sedated and watch over you and, and uh, sure, I would love that. I, I, you know, I didn't try to buttonhole him and so then I got thinking, so I started asking other people in the hospital because I figured out why are we here? Is everything by chance or by accident? Or does God want to use us to be some salt? You know. So all of a sudden I go down to the waiting room and there's a lady there crying. I don't know what to do with my mother. My mother. She's dying, but nobody will look after her. Nobody will come near her. We have COVID on the floor at the same time. I'm thinking, oh, COVID. Oh, wow. You know, this mysterious shh moving around in the hallways. It's strange you know, what goes on in a hospital, but not a pastor to be found. Because I ask people, has anyone prayed for you? I even ask the nurses, has anyone ever come in and praying for the other people? No, they don't do that anymore. They're too busy. I'm thinking, maybe we've lost our saltiness someplace. I don't know. So I start praying for people in the hallways, in their beds. <laughs> I figured, I'm here. I'm a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. I got to stay here. So let's have a good time. You know what I mean? Isn't evangelism hard? Isn't being salt hard? No, if you prepare, and, and of course, I got to give these out to all the people. I say, well, you know, I, I, I serve this guy named Jesus, and, and I love him, and he loves me, and and can I, can I give you a track that will explain that to you? Sure. Give me one. But then the Bible goes on and he says, not only are you salt, but then he hammers us with another one. But you are the light of the world. And uh, I got this thing given to me. It's a strange thing how things happen. We were at the co-op in La Brokerie, and the lady at La Brokerie Colwyn had gone in there and said, have you filled out for our draw yet? First of all, she had to explain to Colwyn what a draw was. And you put your name on this piece of paper and you fold it up and you put it in here and you could win something. Oh, Colwyn figures, okay, I'll give that a try. I've never done it in my life before, but let's go for it. So a week later, they call up and said, you've won this draw. And we got food, we got vouchers we got i got a beautiful winter coat and the guy must have known it was for me because it was extra extra large which like how do you pick that off the shelf and put it in the basket that you're going to give away but in there was this thing and i i fell in love with it because i got looking at that i said i know what that is that's a flashlight but it reminded me of so many christians who were lights flashlights but they've never got opened up to be a light and I got thinking, there's a sermon there. I'm always looking for sermons, you know what I mean? And I'm wondering how many Christians are walking around like this. La, 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 la. You know, I'm, I'm a Jesus freak. You know, I'm a Jesus person. But they, because when we go on here, and look, Jesus says something about this. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. I remember in Jamaica, when I used to be down in Jamaica, they have lots of hills there. And you could see a 100-watt light bulb probably a good five miles away if it's dark out. You know what I'm saying? Have any of you experienced that? You know, you, it's dark out and you can see a light a long ways away. And Jesus said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a bushel basket, but put it on a lampstand and it gives light to all who are in the house. And I got thinking about this Okay, so we're to be a light that we're to go out and we're to go up onto the mountaintop and shine for Jesus. Well, that's, that's okay, but the next part of that verse really blew me away. He says, but also you're to be a light that you can put it on a lampstand, 
so you can be a light to the rest of your household. Now that got a little bit more nerve-wracking. It's easy to preach on Sunday and be a light to all the other people, but how are you doing with your own children and grandchildren? You know what I'm saying? And I had to step back and say, hmm, have I been that kind of light to my family that has no effect, no power, no revelation, no revealing? Or am I, a whack, am I actually being willing to be vulnerable and open up and let my light shine? See, the problem with many churches, we don't want to be salty and we don't want to become vulnerable to open up. Because somebody may come up and say something nasty to you. Or you might say the wrong word. Or you might say the wrong thing. And then they'll take you to court. Because you said something. You know, I I've, I've now have been reading a lot of articles concerning evangelism. Do you know that up to 60% of the church won't do evangelism anymore? Because they're afraid that the words that they may speak may cause them to end up in court cases? Because they've offended somebody? Maybe we should say, bring it on. Let's fill our jails. Let's fill our courtrooms with the good news of Jesus Christ. Because I think we've got to stop being that and start being this. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm talking to myself now. I, the Lord has been putting it on my heart. Go out and tell the church this. <laughs> Go out. And I think the founders that you guys are connected with probably have that on their mind too. You know, that we'd be salt and light. Because he goes on, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine, or let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. There's something we gotta do. It's not just sitting around. It's something we gotta do that they may see your good works and glorify you? No, glorify your Father in heaven. I had a man come up to me just two days ago in the mall. Okay, he, he's German and uh, broken English a little bit, maybe just a newcomer. We have a lot of newcomers of Germans too. And, and, he, and he kept up and he said, thank you. And then he let go. I'm thinking, and it comes up, thank you. And I said, thank you for what? For being a light here in the mall. Then he let go. And he came again. Thank you for shining for Jesus. We're going to pray for you. Him and his wife are standing. I thought they lost their minds. You know what I mean? Like, this is a mall. Be careful. Don't get too emotional, too excited here. You wouldn't believe how many people have come up to me in the mall and said, sis, thank you for being a light for Jesus. Thank you for doing evangelism. Thank you for preparing these materials. Isn't it hard? You know, some of the biggest groups of people that haul our materials away are the colonies. They're using them for Sunday school materials, for Bible studies, and you know what they're doing? They're shipping them all across Canada. That's hard to do evangelism too, isn't it? Asking you to come and come and share. Well, as we continue on, we need to see that, that this, I believe, is discipleship, and I believe this is evangelism. And the vision that the Lord laid on my heart, that we need to be that salt that preserves and that brings us a place to doing and, and sanctified and light, which empowers us for evangelism to go. One is the part that what we do and another part is where we go. Jesus said, let the word be a light unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? So that's what it's all about. I believe it's a command of God. And that's why Paul talks about how Apollos was used in one way to plant, how Paul himself was used to be to water, to nurture, but it's God who gives the increase. And that's what I've seen by my miracle book. God gives the increase. I wake up every morning and I say, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it. I, I really don't know how. I don't know who you're going to touch, but I'm learning he moves by his spirit. 
His spirit is alive and well on planet Earth. And it is touching people's lives. But we need to get into prayer. We need to prepare, prepare, pray and prepare, and then begin to go out and propagate. Let our light shine and our salt penetrate. Amen? Does that, does that resonate somehow? It, it's not trying to say, I got it together, you know, but it is trying to, to bring across something's not right in the church. Can anyone say, I'm not talking about the local church. I'm talking about the North American church. Can you say that something is not quite right? Yes, I know there's pockets of revival and things are happening. I've seen it. You know, I know people are, you know, talking about atmosphere. I, I know what you're talking But that's something that God wants to do all across Canada, all across North America. He doesn't want it. So, you know how that all got started? Someone just confessed their sin and got right with the Lord. That, that was it. And it exploded. The saltiness and light that came out of that kid, one kid, teenager, exploded a revival. What is it going to be? I've decided this and this. Where you lead me, Jesus, I will follow. Your pastor is going out on a new journey. But I, I know he's not wanting to stop being this or this. Neither him, his wife, their children. You're going to hear more. Because God's got more to do. But it all starts with us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you that we would remind ourselves that, that this coin that I hold in my hand has two sides to it. And Lord, that we need to be salt and we need to be light. And Lord, I'm just blown away by what you say. You are the salt. You are the light. And Father, I don't want to put that off on anyone else anymore. I don't want to say it's their job or it's that group of people or that group of people. I want this, these two verses to penetrate my heart. Go deep, Lord, in my heart today that I may be the salt on the earth just like you are. That I may be that light that will shine for you, O oh God. And Lord, that I won't come up with all kinds of excuses or blame others. Lord, you know even... My fear of going into the mall because now everything is going to be seen outwardly and openly. Some will ridicule, some will praise. But Lord, I just pray that your name would be glorified in all that we say and do. And use us, Lord. Use this church. Continue to use this group of people. And Lord, use this word to, so that it would impact our hearts. Am I salt? And have I lost my saltiness? Am I a light that has kept closed? Father, by your power of your Holy Spirit, just open us all up now to be used as your vessels and your tools now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, pastor and leadership, for having us. And really pray for Colwyn and I as we go forward to, to apply this to our lives. Amen. We love you. God bless you.